Hello and welcome back to the Elite Football Show. My name is Hayder and I'm your host as usual today. We've got something different, finally. No Man United talk and I'm delighted about that because it's been it's been a difficult start to the season. So I've got Glenn here from the Total Saints pod, one of the best Southampton podcasts out there. They're doing some fantastic stuff. Glenn, you were just telling me that you've got an interview coming up with someone quite big. I'm not going to say who just in case you don't want me to announce that. But, you know, you guys are doing some fantastic stuff. So, Glenn, welcome to the podcast. And how is everything going with you today? Thank you very much. Yeah. Podcast is uh, our podcast is going great. It's uh, it's nice to be on here. Uh, pleasure to meet you. Um, and yeah, everything's going okay. I'm I'm down in sunny Southampton. Only it's not sunny. It's absolutely belting down with rain all day. So I've just uh, not not looking my best because uh, I've just uh, spent two hours getting soaked walking the dogs. So um, no, haven't. But football's okay. So happy days. Absolutely. And then the international break is over. I can't lie to you. I'm not a massive fan of the international break and it's good to have Premier League football back. Let's just jump straight into it, Glenn. And look, Southampton, a side yeah. that I actually, I've got a bit of a soft spot for. I'm from the South as well. I think you've got a fantastic manager. We'll go on to him later. I'm a massive fan of Hassan Hootel. I think the Academy's usually one of the best in, in England or even you could argue even around Europe, there's some fantastic talent that you guys bring through. Well-run football club. I think over the last few years, you haven't exactly hit the heights that you did, you know, sort of when you had Pochettino there, you did pretty well under Koeman, but it's looking like you're going in the right direction. So what do you make of Saints' start to the season? In terms of points that we've got, we've got six from the four games. That was more or less what I expected. Um, I didn't expect them to come in quite the way they have because um, I we had Palace away first game of the season and we we won there the last three seasons. So I saw, bearing in mind how well we'd done in Project Restart, I thought, you know, we'll and how bad Palace has been, I thought, we'll, we'll rock up there. We'll, you know, that'll be a good chance to get three points. Um, we gave away a rubbish goal and then we're dismal and, and lost 1-0. So it was a bit of a, a, bit of a bad start. Um, but the the game that we always lose is Burnley away and we managed to go there and win. So that, that balanced it out. Um, other games we've had Spurs at home. I, I'm of the mind that whenever you play one of the, one of the big boys, if you get beat, that's what's expected. And we, we duly did get beat, uh, though we did get beat in quite a comical way by conceding the same goal four times, um, or <laughs> pushing up and letting Kane find Son and he ran through and scored funnily enough every time it was just yeah. like, groundhog day. Let's do the same thing again, see what happens. So, so in between the Palace and the Spurs game, we, we played Brentford in the Carabao cup. And we were terrible in that as well and got beat 2-0. So the first three games, three defeats, awful. We've recovered with the win at Burnley and we beat West Brom at home. But if you if you chose three teams that were, you know, look look nailed on for relegation at the moment, based on current form, Burnley and West Brom would be two of them. So we've beaten teams we should beat. Six points, I think. Bearing in mind, Saints have got a history of terrible starts to the season. Um, six points is, is reasonable and... More importantly, probably more importantly than the results, we've actually looked like a decent side the last couple of games as well. Yeah, absolutely. I think you had a very strong finish to last season. I mean, yeah. I, I was really impressed. You you beat City, I believe, and uh, with Shea Adams with that goal. Yeah. But I mean, moving forward to this season, what have Saints done well and what have you been a bit concerned about? I know it's only a couple of games in, but there are obviously things that you see. I mean, like you said, with Son 
Spurs and Kane. As United fan, we got yeah. beat 6-1. Same thing <laughs> happened every single time. I'm just about over that gun. I'm just, just, just over it. I'm going to speak to a Spurs fan this Friday and I'm I'm ready. Mm. It's been a couple of weeks, but I'm ready. But yeah, what, what is it? Because when I looked at the strike force in particular, something that I think has a lot of potential, you look at Danny Ings was fantastic last season. And yeah. deservedly, he's got his England call, call up. He's, he's fit again, which is brilliant to see. Obviously, at Liverpool, he had a lot of injury problems there. He's looking like one of the, you know, one of the best strikers in the league at the moment. Che Adams is one that came with a lot of promise, I think, and a lot of potential. But he did take a while to settle. He's someone that hasn't really hit the ground running again. Um, do you think that that's a strike force that can really propel Saints to sort of the, the top eight, maybe, or even top half of the table? And what's um, been a bit of a concern? Because, you know, there are a few things that are a bit concerning, I think, um, you know, as the season's started. Well, if you'd asked me before the um, before the transfer window ended, I'd I'd have been concerned about our squad depth. We've got a decent enough first eleven um, to to challenge most teams, and we we don't go into any game and 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 well, usually we don't go into any game and get hammered. We've got a decent enough first eleven to give anybody a game. Of course, occasionally it doesn't work, but. So I would have been worried about the squad depth, but we've addressed that in the transfer window a little bit, which I know we're going to get onto later on. Um, the the Ings and Adams partnership, it's the first time I've gone into a season thinking we've got two strikers here who can get sort of 10, 15 goals each. Saints have always had a, we've had a history of having one player who can do it and then no one else. I mean, if you go back to sort of, you know, I don't know, 15 years ago, we had like James Beattie would score 25 goals and then the next top scorer would be five. And we've always been a little bit like that. And because of the way Adams finished the season, he got four goals in seven games. We kind of hoped that he would uh, start scoring goals straight away. But he's been, he has had chances. Um, and he's hes managed to pick out the goalkeeper or the post. Or, the, you know, I, I could be sat here with him having already scored three goals this season. So it's, it's not like he's, at the start of last season, he did look a little bit rabbit in the headlights, like the step up was going to be a little bit too much. I don't think that's the case now. He knows he can do it. Um, it it's been a little, he's been a little bit unlucky at the start of this season. Um, but with, you know, with the players we've got in the transfer window, he, he now has a bit more pressure for his place. So hopefully, I mean, the, you know, the theory is always that bringing in a, bringing in a striker is, um, makes the makes the people in possession have to um, have to work a little bit harder so hopefully it'll work um things i've been concerned about apart from the squad depth we we did very well with project restart and i think there was an expectation that it would just roll on as i said earlier but ralph seemed to have changed the tactics a little bit at the start of the season and, and we were playing with what looked like a much higher defensive line um and we don't really have the players to do that. We don't have pace at centre-back, um, especially when Vestergaard plays, because he's, he's like an oil tanker. But he, he he's makes, good at... He's yeah. quicker than Harry Maguire. That's, yeah, that's yeah, yeah, I'm, I'm quicker than Harry Maguire, and I'm nearly 52. So, um, <laughs> I, uh, so we, we don't have a masses of pace at the back, and we don't have our, our goalkeeper, Alex McCarthy. He's, he's getting better at doing the sweeper-keeper thing. But it it's not his natural game by any stretch of the imagination, and and that that Spurs game was a bit of a horror show. And you know, like we famously lost. <laughs> Saints fans always moan about this being mentioned. We lost nine 0 last year. Yeah, it, it was a bit of a reset, and then 
you know, because if you lose nine nil, you can't pretend that any everything's all right. You know, you you have to do something about it. And I think getting beat five two by Spurs was a was a little bit of a wake up call regarding the sort of suicidal high line on the halfway line. So the last couple of games, albeit against weaker teams, Burnley and West Brom, we seem to have settled into a more a more what I'd call sensible line. So I was a little bit concerned about that, but uh, a few of the clouds of concern have drifted away the last couple of games. Look, it's a bit of a funny one, isn't it? At the beginning of the season, you look at Liverpool getting yeah. beat seven two. United, well, that was United funny, was wasn't it? Surprised. That was that was <laughs> honestly. I was recording a podcast after that. And I was very despondent. Did the United podcast, <laughs> and it was a live show. And as the comments were coming in, I was saying five one six one because I was saying things like, "Oh, United, look, if you get beat, and we will talk about Hassan Newton later about being getting beat nine 0 but if you get beat six one at, at any club, that's usually right getting the sack. And if it's a big club. Yeah. Like United, it's getting the sack. Yeah. So I was I was saying this, and then the comments were flying in, and they were like, oh, well, Klopp's losing 5-0. Should he get the sack? And I'm like, all right, come on, a bit of context. Let's, let's not be silly about it. That's the football fan, isn't it? But, Glenn, let's move on to the summer business. I don't have a list of all the players that you brought in, but mm. I will mention a few of them, and you can you can run through all of them. But um, yeah. Carl Walker-Peters has started really, really well. Yes. Uh, obviously, that swap with Hoiberg, I think that looks like a good signing. Uh, you've signed Diallo, I believe. Is it Ibrahim yep. Diallo, who's very highly rated? I spoke to a French journalist the other day, uh, and he was very complimentary. Uh, is it Salisu as well, the centre-back, I believe? Yeah, Mohamed yeah. yeah. Salisu. He's Ghanaian. He was at... Oh, I can't remember what he was. Valladolid or something like that. I think. Yeah. Yes, yes, he was He was there. Um, yeah. And Phil Walcott is the other one. Um, and it's... I mean... You can never, five minutes after every transfer window, someone always says, you know, rate your transfer window out of 10. And it's impossible because, especially when you're bringing in players from abroad and no one's really heard much about them, like Diallo, for example, who knows? You know, he's got to settle in the country. He's got to get used to the style of football. I don't know whether he speaks English. You know, there's all these things that have to fall into place before in a year's time, you can look back and say, yeah, that was a good transfer window. All you, all you can say is that we seem to have been recruited into a plan. You know, we've addressed the issues that needed addressing. Um, last year, we had uh, Cedric, who's now at Arsenal somehow. Um, I say somehow because he's rubbish. So, it, <laughs> so we had Cedric at right back, or we had Jan. Oh, good agent. Oh, unbelievable. Or we had um, Jan Valery, who's, who's a youngster, who's more of a wing back than a right back. So he struggled in a flat back four, which is what we play now. So that was the obvious position that needed strengthening. We've got Carl Walker-Peters on loan, a couple of games to kind of get used to it, and he's been excellent. So that was the that was the weakest position in our starting eleven, and and you know we got the, we got the player to go in there. The next issue was centre halves. We had a couple leave, and we needed to up the quality. Now Salisu is they've got very high hopes for him as as being you know, the, the one that's going to be worth a hell of a lot of money in a, in two or three years' time, which is, like it or not, is our model. You know, we want to we want to bring in players from Europe for between 15 and 20 million quid, you know, like like we did with, you know, Mr. Van Dyke and, Van Dyke, and yeah. that's and Sadio Mane. That's kind of what we are trying to do with, with players that we recruit from Europe. So, so Salisu is thought by the club to be, you know, be of that calibre. So he... Our week, one of our weak areas last year was centre-back, and that we did find a partnership that was decent at the end. But it, it certainly 
you know, was the next area. Then we had to replace Hoiberg and we brought Diallo in, as you mentioned. And uh, on our podcast that we did um, did a couple of weeks ago, just before the transfer window closed, they, someone asked me, um, you know, where would you recruit next? And we we had a player called Sofian Bufal who left. Who was always good. He's left now. He he was uh, strongly rumored to be out the door. And they talked about replacing him, but you know, I, I argued that we needed a striker because we needed someone to put pressure on Shay Adams. Because behind Shay Adams, we got Shane Long, who everybody yeah. loves because he's honest as the day is long. But he's not really a goal threat at all. You know, he does his he does his bits and pieces and pressurizes defenders, but it, it's not a high quality striking option. Um, and then Theo Walcott came on the last day, so he kind of fills the winger and striker. He can he can do both. Um, and uh, and whilst it was a surprise because we had this policy of only recruiting players under the age of 24 um, with Walcott being 31. But I think it was a case of, you know, he obviously had a, a history with the club. He clearly wanted to come back, judging by the fact he's sort of um, let go of some of the bonuses he was due from, from Everton in order to be able to sign. And we got rid of enough deadwood to be able to sort of subsidise the wages. So, and Everton are paying half. So, so it's kind of like a, it became a bit of a no brainer and no lose situation with him. So hopefully, hopefully it, um, it goes well, but it's been interesting. The club have been massively pushing the homecoming hero thing, which has worn a bit thin because he only played about 20 games. And yeah, as, exactly. soon as, as soon as he was old enough to start shaving, he was packed off to Arsenal. Um, well, it's quite funny because my, my son is 16. Um, and he was one when Theo Walcott left, which is wow, just, just, just crazy. It's ridiculous, isn't it? So um, it feels like he's been around forever, doesn't it? I mean, yeah, the whole, I mean, yeah, six, what was he? 16 when he moved to Arsenal, wasn't he? I think so. Yeah. Yeah. yeah absolutely crazy. I mean, yeah, that was right. On, he, he, he wouldn't, he was due to sign his first, at the time, your first professional contract was when you were 17. And he indicated that he, he wasn't going to sign it, basically. So, um, yeah, so he, he did definitely move when he was 16. So, uh, but yeah, that's a long time ago. I, I was listening to a podcast. I mean, I'm, you probably might listen to it, the Peter Crouch podcast, and he was on it yeah. the other day. And uh, he seems like a very, I mean, I, I don't know how much, you, you probably know a lot more than me, but from my impression of Theo Walcott is someone who, he seems like a really decent person. He seems yeah. very grounded, down to earth. I think the issue with him is that he got caught up to the World Cup squad at 16. Yeah, and he was saying that he was there. It's ridiculous, isn't it? He had like a camcorder. He, he said he was going around with a camcorder, like filming the players when he was there. And, and to be honest, with you putting that much pressure on someone. Yeah. I mean, would you say he, he his career has been a success because he's been built up like Wayne Rooney was? I mean, he's never really hit those heights. But was he ever that good? I mean, you remember him in the academy. Was he was he as he, good as like Gareth Bale, Oxley Chamberlain, these sort of players? He was at academy level. He was better than Gareth Bale. He was the he was the one that was was talked about as being the English Lionel Messi or whatever. Um, I mean, we are notorious in this country for hyping players on the on the back of a couple of good performances in the FA Youth Cup. You know, he's suddenly the next this or the next that, and they did the same with Rooney. And, and, and Rooney obviously had a you know a pretty stellar career. Um, with with Walcott, we were kind of a, we were in the Championship at the time. And we were holed beneath the waterline financially already. So I remember him getting in the team. It was Harry Redknapp of all people who um, gave him his uh, gave him his debut. And I remember watching the guy for about ten minutes. He came on as a sub, I think, in his first game at St Mary's. And 
within 10 minutes, it's like, we ain't going to have him for very long. So he, it, it was that obvious um, that, that he was that good. Um, and he was always going to go, you know, once, once the contract thing sort of came up at the end of the, can't remember what it was. I think it was around around about Christmas time. He was uh, he was always going to be uh, going to be gone. Gareth Bale was was slightly different because he'd he'd missed a lot of youth football. I think through injury, so no one really knew much about him until he turned up on the team sheet for the first game of the season, um, playing at left back, sc- scored a free kick in his first game, and it's like. How's this seventeen-year-old even got the confidence to take a free kick ahead of all the experienced players and yeah. puts it in the top corner? And you think, oh, we got another one here. That's and that se- that season we got to the promotion playoffs, and and we lost, and and so that was the end. That was the end of him. But I always, I think people forget with Bale that he really struggled for three years. The first three years at Spurs, um, really badly. It, he's yeah. won along with Walcott, along with Oxlade Chamberlain. Um, and some lesser players like Callum Chambers, I, I, Luke Shaw as well. Obviously, he's oh, at yeah. United. I, forget, I, always, yeah. I always, I always felt like those guys could have done with another couple of years playing for us in the Championship or League One or wherever we were at the time, or the lower end of the Premier League. I think those players would all have benefited um, at that time. But obviously, in Bale's case, he's you know he turned into a superstar at Real Madrid, and uh, uh, but. Walcott, I, th- I think there's a because the the hype was massive at the start. I think there's a tendency to sort of undervalue what he actually has achieved. Um, you know, he scored a lot of goals for Arsenal, played a lot of games over the last year, two and a half years for Everton. He's played sort of over seventy games. So whilst he may never, you know, forty odd caps for England. So whilst he's never, he never sort of like turned into a an absolute superstar at international level and scored fifty goals or whatever. I think there's a there's there's a danger because of the because of the hype that there was about him at the start to underestimate what he actually has achieved and it's uh, I was quite cynical about signing him at the start but now I'm sort of like quite excited about it and uh, it'll be nice to see uh, nice to see him back. Yeah, you you make some fantastic points. When you actually reel those players off, I mean, developing them and how much you know, I suppose some of them have gone for how far they've gone in their career. Look, Gareth Bale obviously has won so much, but Luke Shaw. While I've got you here, I'm a United fan. <laughs> Luke Shaw. Okay, so oh yeah, Luke Shaw. Right. I, I find it quite. I find it quite sad, to be honest. Yeah, yeah. That's what I was going to say. Okay, so at Southampton, fantastic burst on the scene. He looked like he's going to be the best left back around. That's how good yep. he looked. Yep. Joined Man United. It's been a rocky time at United. Obviously, chopping and changing the managers. Louis Van Gaal in the season where he starts, I think it's his first season, starts so well, Luke Shaw, like yeah. firing, best player in the team, darting forward, very direct, great end product. Then, bang, shocking leg break. I mean, yeah. we can go on and on about it. He nearly lost his leg. Shocking, shocking leg break. And United's season actually derailed after that. There was a lot of things that happened. Obviously, Van Gaal was a bit of a nutter and the football was rubbish, but, <laughs> you know, he was entertainment. So it's fun. Yeah. It was fun to laugh about it now. But, uh, you know, when you have a shot on target, first shot on target, or first shot, in fact, after 60 minutes, people falling asleep at Old Trafford when I used to go, it was, yeah, it was, it was uh, not good times. But terrible, terrible injury. There's a mental toll to that that people don't really associate. Yeah come back and he just has he's lost that yard of pace he's i wouldn't say he's overweight i always see these horrible jibes at him saying he's fat he's this he's that he's obviously like in the wayne rooney build he's obviously not fat i mean he just looks a little bit more bulky but he's never hit the heights glenn at all he's 
he's had actually his best football, I would say, after the restart. Probably since his injury, he's looked much more direct. He's making those runs. He's very key to our system, but he's just not, for me, going to make be good enough to be, let's say, a title-winning left-back. And it's really sad because, I mean, how highly was he rated at, when he was at Saints? And um, it, mass- it's sad, mass- isn't it, to see what's happened? Yeah. He was massively highly rated because people were looking for the next superstar out of the Southampton Academy, and he was the he was the chosen one. Um, he got in the team when he was seventeen. I think it was our it was our first season back in the Premier League, so we we struggled a little bit uh, for a few games. He came in and he he made a, he made a massive difference. He was he was you know he was really good straight away. Um, and this this goes into my point about leaving too soon because we thought. We always thought he's a very good defensive left back, but going forward, it it needed work because there was no assists, no goals or anything like that. He'd get in a position and then put it in the crowd or whatever or skid it across the box. It, it, you know, the, And it's just something that he needed to learn. The trouble is, is that when you get transferred for 25 million quid or whatever it was to a club like Man United, Man United, and they're not alone with this, they're not, they're not buying potential. They, they want the finished product. They and I don't think there's enough people. There's enough emphasis on the bigger clubs that actually helping players and helping them sort of like work through. Now, Luke Shaw was well known for not being the sharpest tool in the box as well. Um, and you know, through through sort of like friends of friends, acquaintances around the area, apparently he really struggled with sort of just the just the basics of leaving home when he was seventeen, eighteen, or whatever. Which really? can happen. Yeah, and no, I've I've got. I've got sympathy with that. Not everyone's born with the you know, sort of edge, isn't it? Be, being able to handle that sort of stuff. Um, and likewise, the you know, likewise the injury. I mean, I don't know how old he was when that happened to him, but but if you compare how he's sort of possibly struggled since then to someone like Danny Ings, who's had two horrendous injuries, basically missed two seasons, but now he's come back and he's playing the best he's ever played. Shaw just looks like he, he doesn't look like he's enjoying his football to me. At all, I've never. Every time I've seen United play, he, he never really looks like he's enjoying it. Um, and that that game you lost to, to to Spurs when when he hacked that guy down when he was clean through. That that was oh, almost, that was a red, wasn't it? Oh yeah, <laughs> was, but it was. It almost looked like a cry for help. It was almost like I don't want to be here. Get me off the pitch. It was it was that bad. You don't you don't see that sort of tackle. That, and it not be on a park on a Sunday morning. That was dreadful. Um, and that, that to me said, every, you know, said everything. And uh, I think to be honest for the player, the player needs to get away from Man United. And I'm, I'm not, I'm not slaughtering Man United, but I think he, he could do with going to a, you know, a mid table club and just, and just playing. And because to me, it doesn't look like he's enjoying his football. Maybe, maybe that's unfair, but it's, um, it's quite a shame to sort of like, for me, how old is he now, by the way? Oh, he's, he's still what 23, 24. Is that he, old? Yeah, oh, yeah, he's he's because he moved to United at 18. I mean, I remember when we signed yeah. him, he's very, very highly rated. I was I was a massive fan from what I saw at Southampton, but I do agree. And the problem is, look, back in the day when Sir Alex was there, the team was settled, it was a team of winners. So when a young player came in, they got time to develop, it was okay. Yeah. But now, any young player that wants to go to May United, maybe it's changed a little bit actually because United have. Have bought a few younger players this season, but and Solskjaer's trying to bring that. Like, there's other other things about Solskjaer that I'm not a fan of, but what he is doing. <laughs> and I actually want to talk to you about Pochettino after after we talk about because we talk about Dini and then oh, yeah. 
but uh, I'm a big Poch fan. But look, there are certain things, but something Oli has done is actually the, some of the young players have developed there. So you look at Mason Greenwood, he looks fantastic. Yep. Brandon Williams is playing. We've signed young Palestri as well. It's young Uruguayan who looks like he's going to play yeah. a bit more. Dan James has struggled a bit, but you know, generally the younger players have come in and played. It's but players United seem to have done well with players that they've bought through. Like you mentioned Greenwood, exactly. he's been he's probably been at United since he was seven or something. Yeah. And he's 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 come through and he's been brought up in, in their ways of doing things. It probably doesn't phase him playing for a massive club because he's been there his whole life. I think the problem comes is when they buy in youngsters like Shaw, yeah. like Dan James. It's uh you know, you can you can argue whether they're actually good enough, but I think there's more of a chance of it being derailed because simply because of the scale of Man United. Um, yeah, fantastic but, point. And w- when yeah. I look at Shaw, I do agree with you. When I look at him, I think one, you're just not the same player anymore. He's lost something about him. No. Maybe maybe there's something there that he's he's maybe not going in fully into tackles. It's very possible that is the case. Thinking about the mental effects of what has happened, but I think more to do with the fact he's lost that yard of pace. The guy behind him, Maguire, is slow as anything, as we said. You're quicker yes. than him. Yeah. So that makes a lot. Think about it. When you have to think about the guy behind you, you're not going to be darting out towards and covering the flank. But I do think, look, a question here. I mean, just devil's advocate. Luke Shaw comes on the market. Let's take away his wages because another problem, he's the highest paid fullback in the world, Glenn. In the yeah. world. Yeah. Yeah. And yeah. this is a problem at United. But look, let's look, focus on the player. Say he got, comes on the market because United have bought a new left back. And Alex Tellez looks like he'll take a spot unless we go to back three. Because Shaw's look good in the back three, I'll be honest, on the left of a back three. But yeah, would you be, let's say he came on the market, would you take him back at Saints? Um, I don't know. Um, I mean, funnily enough, the, the, the fullback that we bought to replace him is still there. It's Ryan Bertrand, who has been consistently in our top two or three players for the last however many years it is. It's probably about eight years now, seven years. So he's 31 now. So he, you know, he's, he's out of contract at the end of this year. So I, d- I don't know whether, um, don't know whether he's going to sign the, um, the, you know, the, the rumor mill says that he's, he's, he's happy to commit to another two or three years. I think he's, he's missed that. There were, there were rumors of him going to Man City a while ago and to Chelsea, but I think that that ship has probably sailed now because he's 31. Um, as has playing for England, which is ridiculous because I still think he's he's one of the certainly one of the top two left backs in the country. But he Southgate doesn't seem to, to seem to like him anymore, so he'd rather play Kieran Trippier at left back. Um, yeah, it's a joke, isn't it? yeah, I know that's a, that's a bit strange, but um, <laughs> will, will we take Luke Shaw back? Yeah, the wages are an issue. I mean, you know, we talked about. There's such a disparity in money now between what the big boys pay and what the rest of us pay that it is very difficult to take a player who's been a first-team player at a Man United or at an Arsenal. The only reason we've been able to afford to take Walcott is because Everton are paying half his wages. And um, I know Everton is changing there because of the money that's come into the club. But, you know, it's, um, it's pretty soon they're going to be paying the you know, the super wages, if they're not already, I mean, I don't know what they're paying Hammers Rodriguez, for example, Crazy money but, um, but I, I mean, it, but is that in the league of what Man United are playing, paying Pogba or what they paid Alexis Sanchez or, uh, you know, I don't know. So, I mean, it's, it's funny last year, I, I, I was beginning to think that Man United were like a bigger version of Saints in that you've signed a load of players on huge money 
And this is a problem that we've had. We've, we've been hamstrung in the transfer market the last sort of like three years because we signed a lot of players who, for us, were on a lot of money who just didn't do it. And then we, we couldn't give them away. You know, yeah. so we are similar to like you guys have with Alexis Sanchez. You just, if you bought a player and he's on 350 grand a week or whatever, and, and suddenly you're saying, uh, we don't want him, we need to get rid of him. Suddenly there's not a lot of takers on that amount of money. So you end, you end up having to pay money just to get rid of the guy and it, it's um it's it's a bad situation to be in so yeah that's it that's exactly what is happening at united that's i actually want to drill into that a little bit more i mean i don't know enough about saints and that's why we've got you you here yeah. glenn obviously for the listeners uh, before i before i go on to the question i'm going to be shameless glenn hit the like button hit the subscribe button to all the listeners because this is on <laughs> youtube as well make sure you subscribe as well to our spotify apple Podcasts. it's elite football show you should be able to find it there if you prefer not to see my face every single week but uh yeah glenn we talk about those problems because may united have a massive problem where obviously players that come in on massive wages whoever decides to give phil jones 75k a week no one's gonna take him <laughs> Look, I, honestly it makes me so angry I've, i'm i'm calm about that yeah. situation now like i don't want to talk about it. but let's talk about saints because you had a few years like we can talk about we can talk about pochettino in this as well because i want to know your opinion yeah, yeah. on him but we had you had a fantastic few years you're up there you know challenging the top six and then yeah. suddenly it just all sort of fell off and um you know a couple of bad management decisions so what really happened there um well we if you go back to 2010 club nearly went bust um 2009 actually and we got taken over by marcus lieber who was a swiss swiss german industrialist um and but the guy who was running the club was a guy called nicola cortese um and cortese was fiercely ambitious and he started saying silly things about like um so it's going to be in the champions league in seven eight years or whatever um and for for old and cynical people like me we were like yeah whatever mate get on with it um we we're in league one at a time you know ten, 10 points behind everyone else before the season even started but so in league one terms we you know it wasn't going to take long to get out of league one took a couple of seasons got promoted from the championship straight away um ended up in the premier league now nigel adkins was our manager um, and he overseen sort of like the two promotions, but and yeah, I mean, he went into the Premier League, and and we were doing okay. We were about fourteenth around Christmas, something like that. I remember, yeah, Glenn. I remember the day he got sacked. Yeah, and I was like, why have they sacked him? Because you were doing yeah. really well. Richard Lambert was playing really well. Yeah, so we we sacked him, and everyone was like, what? You know, I think we'd just gone to Chelsea and got a draw, you know, from being 2-0 down. So, you know, it's not as if the players weren't playing for him. We were, we were doing really well. Um, and Pochettino comes in, doesn't speak a word of English. Um, and it's like, you know, Cortese, this... Um, Cortani, Cortese was like... Um, <laughs> let's, he's a little guy, Italian guy. Yeah. And he looked, you could imagine him being in the Mafia. You know, I'm probably slandering. I'm probably slandering. I probably shouldn't have said that. But he was. Right. <laughs> That's brilliant. Don't worry, that won't be the short clip that goes out. We'll, we'll choose something else when we promote this tomorrow. Yeah, yeah maybe. Um, but he, um, so he just handed this guy to us on a plate, and and it was like, who's this? You know, we knew Pochettino. We all remembered him from bringing down Michael Owen in the World Cup. That was it. Yeah. And when he had long hair, and it's just like, who is this guy? And he did his press conference, and he didn't speak any English. And he was there on his own uh, with an interpreter. Cortese wasn't there. And it's like, bloody hell, they've just thrown this guy to the wolves. And But, of course, 
it was brilliant straight away. You know, obviously the players' fitness changed, the just the the way we played. It was the first time we'd had a team that really sort of pressed from the front. Um and it was great. And we finished that season relatively strongly. And the next season was Pochettino's first season in charge and um fully. And it was and and you know, and we were great pretty much all all season. We tanked the cup competitions, which was annoying because he seemed to he seemed to value an eighth place finish uh, more than a, more than the FA Cup. We had a very winnable, um, I think it was a quarter final against Sunderland, and he rested players and we got beat. Uh, that so, mirrors his time at Spurs, doesn't it? Massively. Yeah, it was like bang. You know, you, you don't do. I mean, we you know we're not used to semi-finals and finals and stuff. So to actually be within sight of one and then tank it basically was just that that wasn't good. Um, and then towards the end of that season. Cortese suddenly got sacked. He, he got sacked by the owners because he was basically writing checks that they would have to pay. And, you know, so there, there was there was a bit of an issue there. So Cortese left. Pochettino finished the season. Because he was Cortese's man, he left as well. Went to Spurs. Now, at the time, we, we were used to getting things taken from us by Spurs. Um, still happens to this day. But yeah. at, at, that, at that time, it was like, oh, that's not good. And I was really, I remember a bit I wrote for my own blog where I was, Spurs at that time were going through managers about, you know, about one a year. If you didn't, if you didn't improve on last year's sixth place finish, then, then you were gone sort yeah. of thing. So post Harry Redknapp era, wasn't yeah, it? So in all those 11 players and you had, who was it? Was it AVB like this with all these duds? Yeah. Like, yeah. And it's, it's, it's like, you're going to go to Spurs, you're going to fail. And we're going to be laughing at you. And of course, that didn't happen at all. Uh, and he did really well. So up to a point, didn't win anything. That's the key. Um, and that's that's until he, it's all very well sort of developing the club and making the players fitter and playing a certain way. But until you start winning stuff, um, that perception of you is still going to be there that you're you're just another manager. Uh, I mean, I mean, Klopp had this hanging around him until you know they won they won the Champions League and they've won the league now and it it's like it's all very well being a nearly man to be a you know a truly great manager at a big club you've got to win some silverware and uh... do you see Poch see that this is something that I debate a lot with United fans they talk about this nearly man thing I mean they say that but then we have a manager who also doesn't have a sparkling CV but when you no. look at Pochettino from what you saw you know from the from the day that he walked in through the door and you know he had a fantastic season when he was there at Saints went to Spurs a club again which I would say I mean, they didn't win anything but still slowly slowly they are yeah oh they he are. got they, look they're he now got the European more, club, uh, yeah. European he got more team. he got more out he got more out of Spurs than any manager that I remember and yeah. you know, I go back to. I mean, I remember. I remember Spurs winning FA Cups in the eighties. Um, I think was it Terry Venables was their manager then, maybe. Yeah. But you know, it, it was. It's a long time ago. I mean, certainly he's he's got them closer to challenging for the league that season that Leicester won it. That that's the closest I remember Spurs ever getting to um, actually challenging for for a league title. So he definitely did more with Spurs than than any other manager has done. Though, yeah. um, watch this space on Mr. Mourinho this season because um, I think they're going to be pretty good this year. Yeah, I, I agree with you. I mean, let's let's move on back to, back to Saints. I mean, last question on Poch: Do you think yeah. he, he he would succeed at a club like United? Has he got what it takes? To definitely. Take... Yeah. Okay. Yeah. That's yeah. Definitely. Tough. Without a doubt. I mean, United needs someone to sort of grab 
grab the whole club and and bring it and bring it forward and that's that's the sort of thing that that he would do um i, I mean it's not really my place to talk about Ollie, but he's a fraud basically he's just it's just not there it's just it, yeah. there's, there's just nothing there's nothing there um it, it's it's ridiculous that he got the job in the first place and he's you know the the good the good run of results against duff teams that he went on that kind of papered over the cracks a little bit but i think now it's just it's just too big a job for him he's just yeah. not not the right personality um i mean everyone's got to start somewhere but you know what what have he done he, he won the league in norway and got relegated with cardiff and yeah. i mean how on earth is that the the cv to get a job at manchester united i, I don't get it you know pochettino if he if he came in he would have to win something there's no there's no question about that but you tried the serial winner with Mourinho, yeah. and that didn't work out for some reason um, so now maybe go yeah. maybe in between the young up yeah. and coming manager Obviously, has a good track record in the league. I mean, like that, this segues nicely. Let me ask you quickly as well. We were talking yeah, about yeah. strikers earlier. Troy Deeney been linked heavily. I sent this over to Ben <laughs> yesterday. Ben's like, "Why, why Deeney?" And then he's like, "Oh, oh no, I've had a look. Actually, Deeney has been linked." But obviously, you're saying Che Adams and Danny Ings. Yeah, different sort of striker to Deeney. I, I actually quite like Deeney. I think he offers. He's, he's a bit of a brute, isn't he? And sometimes, sometimes you need the, to go sort of maybe a bit of a plan B when things like plan A isn't working. But uh, is that a move that excites you if it happens? No, um, <laughs> no, no, no. I, um, <laughs> I don't think. I think this is agent talk, to be honest, because you know I said earlier on about us only signing young players and we signed Walcott. Apparently the first question that Ralph asked about Walcott was how open is he to sort of like new ideas and learning new stuff and, and stuff like that. Cause at, at 31, it's going to be more potentially more of an issue than a player at 21. But, you know, Walcott being the sort of fine upstanding chap, which he seems to be, he, you know, they decided that that was fine. Troy Deeney's not, not like that. He's a massive character. I, I like the guy. Don't get me wrong. Um, and two or three years ago, I'd have thought, yeah, that's great. Um, if you go back to Saints' decent sides that we were talking about earlier on, we had Ricky Lambert as the focal point of the attack, or we had Graziano Pella as the you know the, they were they were the main man, typical you know old fashioned centre forwards led the line. And Arnar Pella was fun, wasn't he? Glenn, I, I enjoyed it when he was in. The oh, he's fantastic, was, fantastic player. Not really appreciated at the time, but he was appreciated when we tried to replace him with Charlie Bloody Austin. Who, <laughs> just like, oh, There's a lot about Charlie Austin. Oh, he's, he's yeah. Less yeah. said the better. He did score the winner at Man United though, so that was good. Um, <laughs> no, but um, we we until Danny Ings last season, we struggled with attacking play without playing with a big centre forward. We we really did struggle with it, and our our woeful home form is is well documented. And, and in my opinion, a lot of that is is not having. You know, we're trying to pick passes around the edges of defences um, and when defences sit deep, we really struggle to break them down. Um, we, we seem to be getting bet better at it now. But um, it was it was a lot easier when we could lob the ball into the mixer a little bit on occasions and and have someone sort of hold it up and create a bit of havoc. So Troy Deeney would do that, but I don't think he's for us at this moment in time. I think if, if, if Shay Adams is struggling with, with goals, I think they're more likely to you know, stick Walcott up front or, yeah. or 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 go that route. So, yeah, if you'd asked me two years ago, I'd have said yes, but I, I don't I don't think so now, to be honest. 
Yeah, I think that's fair. And with Walcott coming in, and I, I think that maybe does shut the door. But let's move on. Two more topics. We're going to talk about the manager, Ralph. Yeah. So came to the Premier League, obviously at Leipzig. I, I actually watched quite a lot of German football. And look, you, you know, wherever he goes, there's that style of play. It's very high intensity, high pressing. You know, he usually plays like sort of 4 2 4. But what I have been very impressed with him, I did a podcast months ago probably last year about him and what i'm very impressed with him is that he's got that system and it doesn't obviously you need the players like you said he plays more of a higher line he does need pace but what i'm impressed about him is that he improves players who some people think aren't necessarily top bracket and he brings them up to a level very much like klopp you know he has a system and it works maybe you can disagree with that because obviously i'm looking from the outside but when you're looking at what he's done at saints would you say he's been a success and obviously you saw the nine nil defeat were there calls for him to get sacked after after that uh, defeat? Um, I think that there's always calls for people to get sacked when when you get smacked by um, by that many. Uh, that that particular game was, I mean, it was funny by the end. It was just, I mean, I I sat there. I've got the little badge of honour. I sat there for 93 minutes <laughs> or whatever it was and watched it. I saw Jamie Vardy score the ninth and celebrate in front of about 20 of our fans. Um, yeah. <laughs> It's fair enough because we've been giving pel- we've been giving him pelters about his misses all game, but um, <laughs> so I've got no problem with players giving some back. That was fine. Yeah. Uh, so were there called? There weren't too many calls for him to get sacked because I think people recognised the bigger problem was the players that we had. Um, that, that I think the attitude was: there's only so much a coach or a manager can do. Uh, once the players cross the white line, it's up to them, and and they half of them clearly couldn't be bothered. Um, Ralph, yeah, he's got this. He describes his formation as four-two-two-two, and it, it's quite it's quite an important distinction because it's the sort of two wide players, if you like. They he calls them number tens, so they play infield, they swap sides, they're they're very much involved in the pressing from the front. So he, the way he the way he explains it, it's like four lines rather yeah. than. Four, four, two, oh, okay, one. so it's like four, then the two defensive midfielders, the yeah. two attacking, and then the two up top. Yeah, yeah that's correct. Um, he's he he didn't try and give us that style of play straight away, and I think in, if you asked him now, I think he he'd regret that. And he because at the start of last season we were playing sort of like three centre backs, and that kind of continued until that Leicester game. Uh, now the Leicester game was a bit of a freak because Ryan Bertrand got sent off, but make no mistake after ten minutes. But make no mistake, we were going to get hammered that game anyway because the opening ten minutes was just one of those games where you're watching it thinking, "Oh my god, how many are we going to get beat here?" Leicester were brilliant; they were all over us, and then the red card, and then people giving up. It was just, it was just a horrible, horrible experience. So straight after that, we had two games against Manchester City. Just what you want. Um, and we we just defended the crap out of it basically and got two narrow defeats. Um, and I think then there was an international break, and it was during that international break that he kind of said, Right, it was almost like being hung for a sheep as a lamb, sort of thing. Now, phrase where he, he just said, Well, okay, if we're gonna, if if I'm gonna get sacked, I'm gonna do it my way. My so, way. From, that, from that moment on, he he sort of picked the players that he thought would work best as a flat back four, because that's key. The reason we played three at the back is because he didn't trust any of the centre-backs. You know, the, none of none of them were good enough to form a pair. But he got Jack Stevens, who was fifth choice at the time, I think, and paired him with Jan Bednarek. And the, the two of them, whilst not being fantastic, 
they were good enough to be able to play this formation. Um, finally, finding a position for James Ward-Prowse was huge as well because he settled into the middle two with Hoybier and Stuart Armstrong. It was a kind of, it was a strange, it was a sort of journeyman signing really from, from Celtic, seven million quid, nothing special, but he'd always played as a sort of central midfielder, hadn't really torn up any trees. Um, and suddenly they, he's deployed on the right-hand side and he's drifting in and out and, and, and he's been great. So, so yeah, so certain players have got a lot better as you, as you said. Um, but I think just sticking with the original principles that he had, you know, Ralph does, he does like to tinker a little bit. Um, yeah. Last, last season we had a few, he seemed to, um, he seemed to like playing fullbacks out of position. You know, we had midfielders playing there and right footers on the left and left footers on the right. And I think all that's illustrated to anybody is that in the modern game, having fullbacks that go up and down and can do everything and cross the ball with their, you know, with their left foot, if they're a left back, is is kind of key. Otherwise, it all kind of goes wrong, which feeding back to Man United, I think that's part of your problem because your fullbacks don't offer anything going forward. But, you know, so, but Ralph, he... Um, <clears throat> Yeah, once once he's once he stops messing around and just sticks to what we what we're good at, then you know he's a he's a very good manager. We've had we had Ronald Koeman, and then we had three crap ones, and and now we and now we got him. And um, you know, it's you. I hope he does really well, and if he does really well, then you know we'll probably lose him. But that's <laughs> that's that's okay. You know, that's okay. I'd rather. You know, we live in the here and now. He signed a four-year contract, so um, he obviously sees it's uh, a project worth persevering with for those four years. And 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 who knows? Um, once we stop, you know, once we get all the re- the remaining deadwood off the off the off the books, and um, he can really build his own, you know, fill the play fill the squad with players that he uh, he is happy with. Then uh, who knows how how good we can be? But uh, yeah, that's that's the dream anyway. It just just be nice not not struggling. <laughs> yeah, that's a good point. Look, I'm a massive fan of him. I think he, I think he's definitely up there in the top ten managers in the league. And he's got, oh, yeah. and yeah. he's got, and tactically, he's. I think he's one of the best. Something that stood out to me is after the restart, Saints are one of the best sides. Obviously, United are fantastic as well. But the day that, and I say this all the time on my own podcast, the day that Southampton rocked up to town. And press United high up the pitch. Press so yeah. press Pogba. Press those second to backs. Remember the two all draw when uh, Obafemi scored in the last minute. Oh god, yeah. <laughs> terrible. But for you, it's great. For me, it's terrible. But the day that that happened, every single side realized. Right, go and press United up high, and that's yeah. it. And he's yeah. the first one that did that. And that to me shows United were on fire. You remember how good they were after? Yeah, yeah, stuff. yeah. Even from the turn of the year, United were from the turn of the year to the end of the season. They had the most points. More than Liverpool, more than City. The day then that shows to me how he has got uh, Ralph's got something there because nobody else really knew how to play against United and team, mm-hmm. we were beating teams three four five nil, but the day that he walked in and uh, to Old Trafford and did that and that's made it so much more difficult for United. So I look, I hold him in really high esteem. I think he could be fantastic, yeah. but again, it depends, doesn't it? If if they invest properly, if the club invests properly and give him who he wants, then yeah. he, you know you do with what he's got in the squad, can't can't he? He seems to he seems to get on uh, very well with the chief exec, this guy called Martin Simmons, who um, who we had on Total Science podcast actually not so long ago. They seem to have a very sort of like good relationship. Simmons stood by him when we lost nine nil, um, 
And I, I think that's gone a long way to him sort of like signing a new contract this season. Um, and I think that, you know, the players that we've bought in, they, as I say, they, they seem, we seem to have been recruiting to a plan and it's, it's Ralph's plan. You know, he, he is the main, the main football man. We don't have a director of football. They seem to totally trust Ralph and, and his, and his judgment. Now, on the one hand, that could be seen as quite dangerous. If he leaves, would we then be up a creek without a paddle? But there's obviously this, this trust between them that, um, that, you know, that this is the way to go and this is working. But that Man United game was interesting because at the time, as you say, United were playing really well. And it was all about United's front three. Uh, and Mason Greenwood in particular was making waves at that time. Um, and one thing Ralph did very well tactically that game is that our left side was Bertrand and Redmond. He played Redmond 10 yards further in field. So that meant Wambasaka was playing more infield as well and that meant Bertrand could was basically doing all the width oh, and, and, and down, driving yeah. Greenwood backwards so Greenwood spent the whole game chasing Bertrand back up the wing didn't do a, I mean he doesn't do very well didn't do a thing yeah and yeah, he's a kid he's not he's not yeah, he's, he's not going to have yeah. the whole the whole game sorted yet but it was yeah. it was interesting that Greenwood spent the whole game going backwards and he didn't he didn't do anything that game and got substituted I think so that was a just a little subtle tactical thing just moving Redmond in forward uh, Redmond in field that that made a huge difference and uh, yeah and that and the high the high press was um was very inevident that game and it it, it really worked and yeah I know we nicked a draw in the last minute but I, I think overall I think we should have won uh, yeah, you, I, you, I thought we were the, we were a better team that day and we we should have won but uh, yeah there you go we'll take a point at Old Trafford anytime <laughs> I think to be honest you you should be expecting three at the moment the way things are going but look Glenn last 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 question yeah it's go on only a couple of minutes expectations for the season I said at the beginning of the season I tweeted out on the day on while I was watching the Palace versus Saints game Saints are going to be my dark horses straight away after that Zaha scored but, um, it's <laughs> ah, it's your fault. For, for that. but um yeah so where do you expect i mean i'm gonna say <clears throat> it'd be nice to see saints go far in the cup any of the cups um yeah that would be nice wouldn't it but i think look i i think they'll finish in the top half i'm gonna say ninth yeah at the start of the season we were all drunk on project restart and we thought we're gonna do really well this year and finish seventh and then Everton signed all those players and we were like, eh, maybe eight, maybe eight. Um, and, then we lost, and then we lost the first two games and it's like, oh, okay, uh, maybe it's going to be another season of struggle. Now, I I don't think it will be. Um, it would be nice to have a season where we're not flirting with it at all. You know, where we're kind of, maybe like Sheffield United were last year, where they they, they kind of, they're, they're sort of eighth. One. I know they fell away a little bit at the end, but sort of just that sort of season where we're in the top half for pretty much all the season that that would suit me as for finishing position looking at some of the some of the teams outside the top six who are quite outside the big six rather who are who were quite strong um i reckon yeah ninth or tenth would would represent a decent season um one thing that martin simmons the ceo did point out to us is that it, it's quite important for a club like saints to not be looking over their shoulder at relegating getting relegated towards the end of the season because it enables you to plan properly for transfer windows and and the following season and that's something i've not really thought about um, because if you only if you only stay up by the skin of your teeth on the last day of the season then you've got a lot less time to 
to you know get everything in a row for for next season and teams like saints because we can't afford to throw massive money at things we we need to be organized and we need to try and do things right rather than take a chance on things obviously there's always an element of chance with any player you sign or or manager you appoint or whatever but you know we need to give ourselves the best chance and and the best chance for us is giving us as much time as possible and not being uh, not being near the bottom of the league at the end yeah that's a, that's a great point i completely agree with that glenn it's been an absolute pleasure, mate. Honestly, it's the first no time. No worries. I've... Thanks very much. It's been, I was expecting it to be half an hour, but I could have spoken for another half an hour. Probably. <laughs> we're nearly yeah, sorry. sorry if I <laughs> no, banged on a little bit. But... <laughs> no, absolutely. It's just really interesting because, as you said earlier, you sort of, I know United are a massive club, but, you know, mm. there are some similarities. And, you know, obviously, if Pochettino joins, I mean, it's fantastic. But, Glenn, tell all the listeners where they can find Total Saints podcast and uh, where they can find you on Twitter because that's important as well. Um, well, my Twitter handle is at L1-10 because uh, my blog is called League 1-10, which is where we were when I started writing it. So we just been deducted 10 points for uh, not having very much money and um, having a negative amount of money. And we were, we were, you know, started League 1 on minus 10 points. So I, I started that then. So my blog is League 1-10. Um, I'm a regular contributor on Total Saints podcast, which um is is on twitter i can't remember what the handle is off the top of my head but uh yeah, yeah just just look for total saints podcast and we're, we're all over it um i think um yeah and, and that's going going from strength to strength we seem to um we seem to get a lot of very good feedback about it we were we were on the point of closing down at the end of last season because uh time constraints for for other people involved and um we kind of announced we were closing down and we just this outpouring of love and support so um so we've we found a way to carry on this year when and we're getting some support from the club and they're, they're putting up to people to be interviewed so it's uh it's all cool stuff at the moment so yeah if you're interested in hearing people like me rabbit on rubbish about saints then uh, yeah total saints podcast is the place to go absolutely what we'll do for you glenn is we'll put it in the description and obviously when we post it out tomorrow we'll uh we'll, we'll tag the act handle glenn thank you very much for your time mate it's been an absolute pleasure no worries thanks for having me no problem. And to all the listeners, hit the like button, hit the subscribe button. We're going to be moving away from a lot of the United content. We did a lot of that. Moving to a few more of the other Premier League teams because I'm bored about talking about United, if I'm being honest with you. So make sure. Yeah, I know. It's not going too well. You never know. But we could have Pochettino <laughs> at the helm. So when we do, Glenn, you're coming back on and we're going to do a little quick Pochettino special. No worries. Um, no worries. But yeah, make sure you hit the like button, hit the subscribe button. 